This season of What's Your Story is brought to you by Paystack. If you run an online business, Paystack provides you with tools to accept payments from anyone, anywhere in the world. For instance, if you don't have a website, with Paystack, you can create an online store for free. What's more, you can easily create payment links, invoices, and checkout pages to accept payments from your customers. Paystack also integrates seamlessly with popular platforms like Shopify, WordPress, and WooCommerce. And at the end of the day, with super seamless reconciliation, your sales data is just one click away. That's why over 200,000 startups, government agencies, and businesses across Africa use Paystack's suite of tools to power their growth. Visit paystack.com and sign up for a free account to start receiving payments online. Paystack, the smarter way to get paid online. So when you go in the market and you're faced with customers who are like, send, who are you? You know, these people are able to own their own space. They had the confidence to sell the brand. It also helps that we had a fantastic product in the market that we were selling. So it sort of made that conversation with the customers easier. I mean, if you're selling to someone something that is needed and that could significantly change their supply chain, it makes the conversation a little bit easier around the table. On today's show, we speak with Maureen Okoji. Maureen is the co-founder of Send, a digital freight forwarder and customs broker that's transforming the supply chain landscape on the continent. Maureen used to work for Mask, one of the largest shipping companies globally, before co-founding her own company in 2019. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Maureen and find out what her story is about. So I grew up in an average middle-class Nigerian home, right? I am one of four siblings and the first girl. If you know anything about Nigerian families, you know that being the first girl is a privileged position, but also comes with an expectation for perfection, if you understand what I mean. My dad, a very strict man, sort of had his career across different industries. He worked in agriculture, he worked in finance, he worked in supply chain. My mom spent most of her career, she was quite active in and still is active in academia, right, at the tertiary level. So with a dad like that and a mom in in academia, you can imagine that there was no room for mediocrity at our home, right? You had to be focused, you had to know what you wanted. You were obviously given all the love and support that you needed and the guardrails within which to thrive, but you were expected to thrive. And I think that really helped me to become the person that I am today, to be honest, which is, you know, focused and driven, quite curious about a lot of things. Yeah, so that's that's how I grew up. That's my background in a nutshell. Okay, it seemed like you were Harper, like you were a lot of expectations on you. Did that also happen when you went to university, when you went to study? Well, to be honest, if you're from Africa, <laughs> when you're planning to, you know, attend university, you pretty much have your education or career charted out for you, right? You're either going into medicine or accounting or legal, you know, or nothing else, right? So I think uh, starting out, I wanted to be a medical doctor. My parents expected that I was going to be a medical doctor, right? And we're sort of planning and working in that direction. I've always been interested in the sciences, right? Whether pure or applied. If I think back As early as 14 years when I was in secondary school, I was one of two girls in a class of, I think about 13 or 15, who took an elective 
elective class called electronics. Okay. Now, um, it, it was elective, so not everybody was expected to offer it, obviously. But it was sort of, not many girls were really interested in that space. And when I think about it, that must have been my entry into um, STEM as it is today, right? That was sort of like my toe dip in that space. So I didn't go ahead to pursue an education in pure sciences, medicine, or applied sciences for that matter. Fast forward to university, I switched completely to the social sciences and I went ahead to pursue an education in urban planning, which I'll say paved the way for the space that I find myself today, which is the transportation space. And I think from then you're an adult, isn't it? So it's no more really your parents' expectation, right? It's more like what you want to do. And I was clear. I went out of work, build something, work for a little bit, build something, build a company, or participate in building a great company and retire very early, maybe at 45. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a pretty good plan. So with the urban plan and did you have like a particular job in mind or did you want to work for like local government did you want to work for like a company that built you know buildings or houses what was your okay. plan there so it was sort of the shiny thing about the course you know there was this new vibe with um technology coming in and uh the use of uh, new softwares now right to um, to perform things like cartography and mapping right and that was a space that I was sort of interested in I had done my final thesis in that space right and I was very excited about that so that was the new shiny thing about what was maybe a very traditional a very old school kind of course right and I was interested in that new shiny thing so the part that I focused on was was on that, the geographic information system part of that course. Um, and that was what I went on to start my career in. So I had my eyes on a few companies that I was sort of looking forward to to join in. Um, and as a first job, I landed one of, you know, I landed a job in, in an organization that um, does just that. I worked for a cartographer. And my job then was to teach new employees how to use the GIS software for analyzing geographical maps and, uh, you know, bringing out data from that and transforming that data into useful information, right? So I think the software at the time was called ArcView. Yes. So that was my first job, working for a cartographer, doing what I learned in school and what I had uh, been attracted to in, in my final year. And, and did you see yourself working there like full time or just doing your own thing? Or did you say, OK, maybe I need to switch because maybe this is not what I want to do full time? I knew that I was going to switch. I mean, I was only I was curious about many things. Right. There were a lot of things that I wanted to try to do, but I always knew that I wanted to stay in the science space or I knew that I was going to build a company at some point. Because, you know, I, I didn't really want to work in, in just that one space forever and ever. You know, I thought there was so much that I could do and so many different angles that I could diversify into from there. And, and I didn't think that I wanted to just stay in, in that space. So I knew that I was going to break out at some point and build my own thing. So you've been you're working as a working with this company and you do urban planning. But so what was your next steps? What did you want to do going forward if you had sw when you switched? Okay, so when I was in school, I was very attracted to a brand. 
I remember driving five hours to school and seeing these huge containers on a truck, okay, branded with this blue star. A company which whose name I couldn't really pronounce. So I remember telling my friends then, oh my God, this must be an international company with such a profound brand. And I'd like to work for this company. And heck, I'm sure they probably pay really well. So it was it was the Mesk brand, right? And I always aspired to do that. So after my first job, when the opportunity presented itself, one of these friends that I had spoken to the company about, you know, came up to me and said, hey, there's an opportunity, there's a vacancy in, at Maersk, and if you're interested, we could go for the test. So that's how I sort of, you know, moved from my first job in um, cartography or in GIS mapping to the core transportation space, okay? Still thinking then, oh, of course, it still, it still has to do with transportation. So obviously, it still has to do with what I studied. So obviously, it was attractive to me. So and that's how I got into got into the company. To be honest, I would then go to spend twelve years of my career in this organization. So when you eventually joined Mask, I think that's mm. the name. Let's just get the pronunciation right. That it was Mask. Yeah, that is. <laughs> I mean, it took me a while to to figure it out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you eventually joined the company, what was your like? I guess your first years like. What was your experience? Was it hard getting into that space, especially because you switched, or did you find yourself kind of fitting in almost as soon as you joined? I think I was just so thrilled and excited, right, to be in the space that I had always wanted to be, to really see them as challenges. I don't know if you understand what I mean, right? Or to really see what, you know, it was very exciting for me. My first years were spent really learning about the business from the very scratch, you know, like (laughs) from the very bottom. I think I worked in a customer service department, I think at the time. And we had like this manual counters we used to sort of tend to customers then. And that was like very like stage one. <laughs> it was like most one-on-one. And I learned the business a lot there. However, I think the experience that was most impactful for me was when I joined the a graduate trainee program a couple of years into my staying the organization. I was nominated to go on this program. I will go on to travel to you know across many many markets many countries many geographies and learn about the business learn about the industry under this program that for me was one of the best experiences that i had working at the company i learned a lot of the knowledge that i have today about the industry and about supply chain as it is now and as it is evolving to become came from those years then a few of the challenges that I had, I remember that I joined the company, would I say somewhat transitionary phase, okay? I mean, Musk is great at creating standardized products and processes across many markets. But with Africa being a market that lacked the infrastructures to enable this, I don't know if you know what I mean, it posed some challenges at that time. And at the back of my mind, I knew then what what I still hold to be true, that there are huge opportunities to sort of solve these challenges and even out the logistics playing field for Africa, if, if I can put it that way. Okay, so you're, you're working at MESC and you're seeing these challenges. So mm-hmm. just to track back a bit, how long were you working at MESC? I spent 12 years in MESC. So 
at which point in time did you see okay there are challenges in the African system and maybe even though you have all the experience you're working your way up at mask maybe you want to maybe transition up eventually so at what point in your 12-year career did you say maybe you want to kind of step back and also see what you can do personally I mean, at every time when there were things coming up that were probably challenges, like I said, the, the company was quite good at handling it or, or sort of evolving itself into and fixing these things. But leaving Mesk for me was a decision separate from, I mean, I left the company because I relocated, right? I moved my family to, to the UK. And this was before COVID, right? This was pre before COVID made hybrid work and what's it called now? Uh, working from home, um, a trend, okay? So to have continued to stay on at the organization would have meant a six hour round trip to the nearest office from where I, I stay. And you can imagine that that would have been a logistical bottleneck, right? It would have been quite difficult to do that. So I think it was right time and right space for me to step back and do what I had always hoped to be able to do someday. Now, transitioning into SEND or, you know, working in SEND was pretty much orchestrated by the universe, to be honest. In 2019, I met the founder, Larry, in the UK and here was this extremely brilliant gentleman who was trying to solve with technology some of the challenges that I had myself experienced firsthand. He was seeking a partner to join him and Kinsley, the other co-founder, in building an African solution for end-to-end logistics, you know, something that could tackle some of the issues that we had in Africa or, or that we still that we have, to be honest, in Africa. And these issues, like I said, are things I had I had seen, I had thought about, you know. So just getting on board SEND was a no-brainer, to be honest. It just made sense to join those two gentlemen in, in, in their quest to create what we hope will be a phenomenal brand in the supply chain space. Okay, so even you were working at MES for 12 years and then you met your co-founders. So mm-hmm. I think like, the question I would ask is, when you decided that, okay, you're going to actually join a startup after working for this huge company like Mess for these 12 years, did you have a conversation with your family and say, you, you, you want to go into the startup field? And if you did, what was that conversation like? What did they, what did they say? What did your friends say? What was, your, what was their kind mm-hmm. of mind frame going to that? To be honest, I think everybody pretty much knew that I, you know, you get to a point in your career where you're like, I think I've learned a lot. You know, I think I have contributed a lot to this field and I want to try something new. And I think I was in that space at the time, right? And there was an opportunity to start something that was new in the industry, right? It was an industry that I was familiar with, right? But this was a new space, right? It was a new improved space, Digital logistics is not like traditional logistics, right? And that made the conversation easy with my friends or my family. I mean, the truth is I've always had supportive family, supportive friends, and I've always made good decisions, 
right? So I think the excitement just came rung through in my conversations with them and I could just really see, oh, well, you know, you've been saying you'd like to do something new with all this fantastic knowledge that you have in logistics and, and here is new, right? So absolutely go for it, you know? So I think it was right time, right place, right opportunity to be fair. So it was, you know, how quickly can we start? <laughs> I'm not really, should I or should I not? I had learned enough, I think. I mean, there's nothing like really learning enough, right? You learn, you keep adding on to that knowledge, right? But I think at that time I had learned enough to see what improvements I could bring to the space and to start already. You know, you, you, you think about starting something, you write down your plan, you talk about it, but to actually act it out is a, is a whole different thing. So I think it was right time to put, to put my muscle where my mouth was and really put action to, to all the thoughts that I had had. Was there any, I guess, from you hesitation? Because it's a startup space and there's been already mm. been like lots of people in that um, African space trying to digitize logistics. So for you, when you kind of look at everything overall, mm. you think to yourself, maybe this might not be a good idea, but, <laughs> or did you think we are ready to go straight forward, feet first? Well, transitioning from a, a global organization to a startup is, is never easy, right? Because, you know, you're used to structure in a certain way. You're used to things that pr probably are working on autopilot, you know, and you have to start from scratch, building those structures and, you know, creating something from nothing, right? And yes, there was some level of fear, like, but it was more like, Am I sure, like, you know, we can really do this thing? But on top of that was I was confident in the product that we had or that we had conceived, the ideas around the, that we had conceived around the product we wanted to build, okay? I knew that it was something that was needed and I knew that it would work. So that trumped whatever fear I had about moving from global to startup you know that trumped that it was it was sort of like renewed excitement the same excitement i felt 12 years earlier when i had just joined a multinational i had again because this was something that i i knew was could work and it was something that i was interested in trying so yes fears but <laughs> that was nothing compared to how sure i was about the products that we were building and, and to be fair, Larry is, I mean, he knows exactly what he wants and he's very good at creating that, right? Just listening to the, the ideas he had about how he could transform some of the problems we were experiencing in connecting a very fragmented industry, a very siloed industry and connecting it together. That was something that I had seen was missing, you know, in the industry. Everybody's pretty much working in silos. And, you know, we had this idea to sort of bring everything together and I had seen that it would work, you know. And Larry was very good at selling that and at showing the product that, that could sell that in the market. And that's what won it for me. Awesome. So when did you officially launch Send into the marketplace? 2020, just at the outset of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so you launched, I guess, in a very interesting time. So how did the advent of COVID affect you guys' launch and even the business? So in the early stages, we had some challenges. And the first, of course, the first and most prominent one that comes to mind is COVID. I mean, you're coming into the company, you're starting a company with all of your great ideas and all of your fantastic energy at a time when the world is literally shutting down, 
right. That sort of puts a dip to, to your energy levels, doesn't it? And even though all that was going on in the global supply chain and trade space was going on, we were focused on what we wanted to do. So we spent that time instead of, you know, thinking about all that wasn't working, we spent that time really knuckling down and working on our product. Okay. We spent that time building a product that is agile and resilient, you know, and a product that our customers are today very happy about and that our investors endorse. So that's what we did with the COVID downturn. Nice. Okay. So COVID was there. You kind of, I guess you guys kind of dealt with that storm. Uh, so yes, we did. <laughs> once you, I guess once you were kind of, you know, out in the market, what was that mm-hmm. first dealing with customers and businesses? You know, you're coming on board, you're saying, oh, we're no startup, we're doing logistics in Africa. Mm-hmm. What was that first, I guess, reaction to you coming out? And in a world with people's, I guess, how did they mm-hmm. react to you? What, what was the first business like? What was the experience like? I think that in the very early stages, obviously, if you're coming in with a brand that is not very known in the market, right, you would really, you rely on the people selling that brand to do a really fantastic job. So it boils down to the team, right, that we had in-house and on the field selling that brand, that no-named brand at the time, right? And initially, just building a solid team was also a challenge that we had. We had to, you know, there was that toss between do we get an experienced hands from the industry who sort of knew the market and knew these customers and knew, um, you know, what we're trying to, who could relate to what we're trying to do? Or do we go with the readily available, fresh, you know, newbies who had uh, less experience in the logistics space? So we needed a solid team to be able to penetrate the market well, okay? And building that team was sort of like the first hurdle we needed to cross if, if we wanted to have a firm grip on the market. Initially, I mean, and, and as you know, the logistics space in Africa is not perceived to be the coolest. <laughs> I mean, if we put it side on side to fintech or something like that, people are like, oh, you're working in logistics, you know, they want to work in the other direction. I mean, I'm sure, Joseph, you know what I mean, having yourself dabbled a little bit in that industry. Right. So when you talk logistics, you know, people are like, it's not perceived to be a very cool space. So attracting the kind of talent that you need to really help you hit the ground running was a big thing that we needed to, was a big hurdle we needed to cross. Okay. We needed to fix a solid team to help us in the market. And the way that we fixed that was to leverage on our network. All right. So Larry and I and Kinsley basically looked inward to our network and attracted some of the experienced hands on the field, some people who believed in what we were selling and still believe in what we're selling. The minute we could get those experienced hands on board, it solved, it started to solve that problem. All right. It gave us the confidence to also get on board the fresh newbies, I like like to call them, um, who were less experienced. And what that did, right, the result of that was it created a fantastic culture in the organization where the more experienced ones could teach, coach, mentor the new fresh ones, and they could learn from them. But then the fresh and less experienced um, employees could just infuse and inject that high energy that every startup needs, you know, that agility, that, you know, wide-eyed curiosity, okay, the can-do attitude that every startup needs, especially at a time when the world is not really feeling excited, okay? So, Having a good balance of experience and not 
uh, not so experienced staff created a culture that helped us win in the market. So when you go in the market and you're faced with customers who are like, send, who are you? You know, these people are able to own their own space. They had the confidence to sell the brand. It also helps that we had a fantastic product in the market that we were selling. So it sort of made that conversation with the customers easier. I mean, if you're selling to someone something that is needed and that could significantly change their supply chain, it makes the conversation a little bit easier around the table. That's pretty good. Okay, so yeah, as you said, logistics is not like a very fancy or very nice kind of space to go in. It's very complicated. So it's perceived to be, but it's a very cool space. It's a really cool space, <laughs> but you know, you have to get in there to to, to know, isn't it? <laughs> and we're yeah. trying to change the face of that now. Yeah, it, it is a very interesting space. It, it can be very fun sometimes. So mm. once you once you guys had started off, you got you got through a COVID period. You, you know, so what was 2021 like for you guys? What was the traction there as far as attracting customers, getting people to know you exist, and all that? So what we did. I mean, at the time, like I said, we were spending time fixing our product and building it and making sure that it was solid. And we were talking, so we relied a lot on referrals, you know, at the time as a way to attract customers, okay? When you're a startup, you don't have access to everything, like some fantastic PR or, you know, some world-class visibility, okay? So we relied a lot on referrals. That meant that any deals that we got, we had to do them really good, really well, so that, you know, we could build on that referral, right, across the market to get us more customers, okay? Um, We also uh, spent the time also, you know, training our team and getting them sort of ready. And because at that time, a lot of things were changing and changing very quickly. It helps that we had some experienced people in-house who were finding, you know, alternative solutions to, to the customer's business. Being a digital business, right, it made sense. It, it helped our customers that, you know, we didn't need them to necessarily be in our space to transact business with them and all that. So the things, what we had on offer, the solutions we had on offer were things that our customers could use, they could see value in. So it wasn't, it was difficult, but it was surmountable, you know, to keep our customers interested, to keep them there and to still win some business in, in the market space. Um, it was at that time as well that we, we got into Ghana and also trying to get in, build a team in Ghana and to maintain the customer base that we had in, in Ghana. So 2002 comes by, so I'm guessing that's when you started building more traction. You, so when, what would the, when did you officially come to Ghana? Let me ask that question first. 2021. 2021. Okay, so 2022 rolls in, you're kind of building the pipeline of the customers and everything else. So what was that year like? Because COVID was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say over, but it was kind of getting yeah. better in a way. So I guess more yeah. products were moving, the shipping lines were moving yeah. more. So 2022, how was that year like for you? A great year, to be honest, a much better year than the previous years in that, you know, product solid, customers now known, you know, and, and the brand was making, uh, had a bit of presence in, in, in the market. I can say that over, over the two years, we grew by, I think, uh, not I think, I know, uh, about 220% in terms of our customer base and the business that we were pulling. We had recorded numbers up to, I think, about 3,000 boxes in delivered shipments. So it was exciting. Our team now sort of knew what they were doing okay so nobody felt a bit like fish out of water anymore 
and we could just focus on the business. So now we're not only, I mean, there's new things every day, right? We're, we're always learning and adding to that pot of knowledge. And um, But now we we had two years of experience, isn't it? And we could leverage on that to to grow our bottom line, to grow the amount of business that we're carrying and to grow our presence in the market. So 2022 was a much better year, obviously, than the previous two years and really set the pace for what we're doing now, you know, for the expansions that we're working on, both geographically and on a product. And 2022 really sort of sets the pace for, for that. So it was a much better year than the previous years. So what has your 2023 look like? Like, What's the, I guess, the roadmap or the vision for this year? Is it still just trying to go get more clients? Are you trying to roll out new features this year? So what is your kind of end goal for this year? We will be expanding geographically. So going into new African markets, we will also be rolling out new products in the market. And that will obviously have a ripple effect on everything, isn't it? So that will be what we're working on, at least for the next 18 months, right? Going into new markets and a geography and rolling out a new products. So yeah, so Supermark for you has been a very interesting journey. You know, you started out, you know, urban planning, you started with a job there and then you went to work for Mask and now 12 years later, you're doing Send, which is a, a very interesting, I guess, career path in a way. So if I had to ask you, if you, kind of look back on your career so far as far as working for you know your company for for mask for the company you first worked for and now send would you look back and say okay maybe i should have made a slight decision in this area on this year is there anything you look back and think maybe i should have done these things a little bit differently honestly joseph I don't think so. Like if I connect all the dots to little things that I did, right? It only makes sense now (laughs) why I must have been interested in those things. Whether it was offering a course in school that was a more masculine space or dabbling in, in a course that had to do with spatial analysis or urban planning or transportation up until this moment. There have been experiences all through my education and my career that have led me up to this moment. And I can't think of any one thing in the last, you know, 20 odd years that I changed. That's pretty good. So I guess you can say you're a kind of experienced entrepreneur because, you know, you worked in Mask and now you're doing your own startup. Mm. If you had to give maybe a piece of advice for up and coming entrepreneurs, young people in business, things like that, what piece of advice would you give them as far as from as from your career path and your professional experiences? What piece of advice would you give people up and coming like you? I would say pay attention to where you are right now. Pay attention to the moment that you're in. Whether it is in that Fortune 500 or in that one-man company, wherever it is you're working, from where you are thinking of moving, right? pay attention because a lot of us start our own thing after working in an organization yeah so you work for a little bit you have you know an idea or whatever it is that propels you to start your own thing that place where you are that place where you're working pay attention because you could someday be solving some of the problems that you experience in your current role okay and all the learnings that you have from that will prove useful when you start your own business. So pay attention, that's what I'd say. 
few of us are like, you know, you're in an organization, maybe you're not too happy where you're working, you might be feeling a bit disgruntled, you might be like, oh, you know, I'll do things so much more differently when I'm working, you know, you, you have these fantastic things. And while that's all laudable and that's all good, the truth is, do not let that distract you from the learnings of the moment. Pay attention to where you are and make sure that when you're leaving that space to start your own thing or to co-create something with someone else, you are coming with some good experience and some good learning. Thanks for listening to this episode of What's Your Story? This episode was brought to you by Paystack, the smarter choice for accepting payments from anyone, anywhere in the world. Visit paystack.com to get started.